the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome into the show. I'm your host for the day, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. We get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Rob and I will be together this Thursday, June 4th, 6.30 in the evening in Burlingame at the Doubletree, 10 Pillars Retirement Income Planning. So Rob will talk a little bit about dividend achiever stocks. Those are stocks that we're not talking high yield stuff. We're talking about stocks that pay a dividend and have a history of increasing their dividend. And I'll be talking about 10 key things you need to know about. If you think you're 10 years or less from retirement or in retirement, trying to figure out how to make your money last in this low interest rate, environment in an environment where we're at a market high. It's a little scary to retire when the market's at an all-time high. Now, we spend 70% of our lives at a market all-time high because the market's positive 7 out of 10 years. So theoretically, you live ripe old age, you spend 70% of your time at a market high, right? The chart tends to go up and to the right. Interest rates are very low, though. Dividend yield is at historical lows on the S&P 500. And the market's not cheap, by any measure except in comparison to bonds. So you have to have a very clear plan. You have to have a very clear plan. Now that brings me to something that I talked about on the afternoon show the other day. There is a uh, new award-winning research paper by a guy named Dirk Cotton. And he's talking about retirement planning models that people use. People meaning mostly financial advisors, even certified financial planner practitioners like myself and the four others that work with me at New Focus Financial Group. And, you know, we kind of do this, but he, he wrote it down on paper. And, and as, as, he, as Dirk Cotton kind of went through his own retirement, he's realizing that most sophisticated planners are aware of what's called the risk of sequence of returns when it comes to your portfolio in retirement. And let me take a break for a minute and talk to the young people, 20, 30, 40. It doesn't matter timing the market. It does not matter. The biggest mistakes that I've seen people make are, the, oh, the market's at a high. There's there's risk coming down the line. The dollar's going to collapse, the blah, blah, blah. And they, they go to cash and they miss out on 
several years' worth of dividends and reinvesting those dividends and having more shares once the market does reach the next new high. Yes, the market does have corrections. Sometimes it takes you know anywhere from three to seven years to get back to where it was, but if you are reinvesting your dividends during that period of time, you end up way ahead of the game. But where it does make a difference is in retirement. Timing the market is everything. When you pull your money out makes a huge difference. And I'm not talking about, I know how to get all in and get all out. Nobody knows how to do that forever. You might be right once, and then that's it. You're famous, you get on CNBC, and then you're pretty much getting horrible returns the rest of the time. That's that's what I've seen throughout my career on people that try to call all in or all out calls. What you have to have is a plan that makes sure you don't have to pull money when the market sells. This is something I've been saying on radio for 16 years. That's why I say three years worth of portfolio draws in cash and then a plan for rebalancing. So getting back to this paper, Dirk Cotton wrote, on the sequence of returns, most people realize that. Now, in many of the events that I do with Rob, I give an example of somebody that retired in the uh, mid-70s and started drawing 4% of their portfolio and ended up with a lot of money at the end of their time frame. But then I take those returns, which basically have kind of media, a, little, a couple of years of mediocre returns, and then the big bull market run of the late 80s to 2000. If I flip those returns, just the mirror of those returns, and have the really, really good returns first, and the really mediocre bad returns come last once you're drawing way more out of your portfolio with inflation, that same scenario, that person runs out of money in 34 years. That's the sequence of returns risk. That's why you have to go into retirement with a very clear idea of what you can spend, a floor and a ceiling, because you never know when the sequence returns what it's going to be for you. Are you going to retire with mediocre returns for five years, mediocre returns for ten years, great returns for the first five, horrible returns for the first five? You get what I'm saying? There's, there's different scenarios. Now, Monte Carlo simulation can deal with some of that for you and give you a probability of success. But... That's not enough, according to Dirk Cotton, author of this new paper. He's talking about the sequence of consumption risk. Cotton argues that advisors would do better to divide sequence returns risk into two conceptually more precise terms, path dependency and probability of ruin. Okay, so not to get too complicated on this, this is what I see. First of all, you have different types of people that retire. Some people retire, and these are the people that tend to not have a lot of hobbies, they have tended to work 60, 70 hours a week. Very, very busy in their career. They have a retirement date in mind. They, they, they retire, and maybe they're not already doing a lot of charity work. Maybe they don't play a lot of golf or you know spend a bunch of time with their grandkids, and all of a sudden they're, they're like, I'm going from 60, 70 hours a work week to what am I going to do when I get up tomorrow? Those people tend to kind of seize up. They kind of say, oh, I don't even know what to do. They also have been feeding their portfolio and watching it grow, 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 and they get scared to spend money. They've kind of become misers. They're not typically the happier retirees. So that's one end of the spectrum. They don't spend hardly anything in the first five or ten years until they get used to being retired. Then there's the other end of the spectrum, and these tend to be people that don't really have a good financial plan or a certified financial planner to kind of help meet with them at least once a year and say, here's what you've spent, here's what your returns were, can you spend more, do you have to spend less? These are the people that the first five years of retirement, they're off hitting their bucket list. 
traveling the world, getting the RV, giving too much money to their kids and grandkids. They have no clue because they look at the lump sum of money and say, oh, that's a lot of money. I'll be fine. I'm a millionaire. Not really realizing that a million bucks only gets you 40 grand a year in retirement. Not even that, really, based on interest rates being so low. So there's somewhere, I mean, the right answer is somewhere in between, but the right answer is also dynamic. That's what he's talking about, the sequence of consumption and how it can change. You never know at what point in your retirement, is it the first five years or ten years that you're going to do your home remodel or have some sort of a maybe a natural disaster or maybe you find a bunch of dry rot when you're remodeling your bathroom and a $10,000 remodel becomes a $30,000 remodel. Those types of... Of issues, And that's why retirement planning is very dynamic. It takes much more monitoring than when you're 20 or 30 years old. And your job is to save as much as you possibly can. You have, you know, a ton of money that you can put into your 401k and your Roth IRA, paying down your debt. Keep a nice, good, long home mortgage, but get rid of all of your other debt. It's kind of easy. But once you're retired, because you have sequence of returns risk, and you have sequence of consumption, and that's the one that's just really hard to predict. That's why you have to know when you do a financial plan, okay, here's what you're spending. First of all, can you spend that based on re- sequence of return calculations? Do you have you know, well over an 80 to 90% success rate when you run sequence of return calculations, like Monte Carlo? But then you have to have a floor and a ceiling idea of, yeah, your, your plan, you guys can live till well over 100. That's, that, that's your normal. Well, here's your floor and here's your ceiling. If you spend up to the ceiling and you have mediocre returns, you're in big trouble. You've got to have a good plan. It's going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you want to get your calls on the air, ask a money question. It's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Or email me, chad at chadburton.com. Show. I'm your host for the day, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Rob and I will be together, though, this Thursday, June 4th, the Doubletree in Burlingame, 6.30 p.m. If you uh, are trying to figure out, do you have enough to retire? Or if you're in retirement, are you doing the right things? Going to go over 10 pillars of retirement income planning and uh, 10 key things. You will learn something, so get off 101, get out of traffic, and come learn about retirement, 6.30 p.m., Burnley game this Thursday, June 4th. You can sign up at robblack.com or chadburton.com. I do go over some asset allocation issues, and kind of Vanguard this last week gave us a reminder of asset allocation adjustments. They talked uh, early this last Tuesday. 
They were adding small cap stocks to some international equity index funds that track the FTSE all cap benchmarks. So one of the biggest emerging market ETFs or exchange traded funds, and all they are is mutual funds that trade like a stock. VWO is one of them that I'm talking about. Another one is Vanguard Developed Market Index Fund, the Vanguard European Stock Index Fund, and Vanguard Pacific Stock Index Fund. All of them are adding small cap international exposure, some of them through the China A shares. And now why, why is this? It's kind of emerging as its own index class. So international small cap funds, and, and why is this? Now this is something that I talked about on the afternoon show a couple, over a year ago, and I had a couple of guests on discussing it. And part of the, the, the thesis behind this, why could small cap funds do well? One reason is that smaller companies tend to be the exporters. And so when you're doing a lot of quantitative easing and your euro is falling against the dollar, which has been the trend over the last many months, and of course that trend does have corrections, it ebbs and flows, but the idea is that those companies export more typically. And so you, you get a boom in business. And then not only that, but you have a lot of, because of our horrible, horrible tax code in the United States when it comes to corporations, you have a lot of money that are, a lot of companies that are holding a ton of money overseas. We hear the story about Apple doing it all the time. Corporations that are based in the United States have a ton of cash on their balance sheets. Profit margins are higher than ever, yet revenue growth is mediocre for many companies. So the idea is that they'll need to buy growth, buy companies that are growing revenue very quickly versus their mediocre 2 to 4% revenue growth. So as you get to the end of the cost-cutting phase where profit margins are increasing, where the earnings per share growth is coming a lot from buyback of shares, so there's less shares out there to divide the earnings, the next step is to buy the growth. And so that's that's one of the ideas there. So VWO, I believe, is going to go up to about 10% potentially in small cap international stocks. Um, China A shares are expected to represent nearly 6% of the emerging markets index fund. Now, why do I talk about this? Adjusting asset allocation is important. A lot of people have looked at their exposure in certain broad-based international developed funds, in the index world, as well as the emerging markets world, and realize, oh, okay, I don't really own maybe a lot of China, so I'm going to go buy a China fund. Well, guess what? Those funds now just added China. Those funds just added small cap exposure. It's probably time to adjust your asset allocation. So you have to take a look at it. Also, you're hearing more and more talk about how the rebound in Europe is starting to take hold. You have forward-looking P-E ratios here in the United States of around... 17, 17 and a half, which is above the 40-year average, and that's because interest rates are so very low. Dividend yields under 2%. Overseas, you're looking at more 14, 15 forward-looking P-E ratios or less, and dividend yields of well over 2%. So that's the idea. And so you have a lot of people, like, for, for example, Professor Jeremy Siegel. He's a Wharton professor. He's also over there at wisdomtree.com. And when he talks about an all-equity portfolio, he says 50% U.S., 25% non-U.S. developed. That would be things like in the EFA, EFA, which is an, an ETF that looks at a you know, developed international, you know, non-U.S. Uh, economies. 
or stocks rather, and then 25% in emerging markets. Now, how do I play this area? Because as a money manager, as you know, the CEO of New Focus Financial Group, what's kind of the idea? Where, where do we use different funds? Because I like indexing. I like individual stocks, and I like managed mutual funds. Where do they all fit into play? Well, I prefer typically my managed funds to be in the small cap space, international space, and emerging market space. Now, I do use ETFs from time to time. Typically, the ETFs that I'm using right now are because it hedges out the dollar. That's been a good trade lately. It's taken a breather. But as long as there's quantitative easing, as long as the euro's falling, I'm, I'm staying, sticking with those ETFs. But typically, I like institutional no-load managed funds in small cap international emerging markets. Now, why? Well, let's talk about small cap first of all. What happens to a good small cap company? You have to ask yourself. Well, a good small cap company is typically going to become a mid cap company and transition to the world of your mid cap exposure, right? Okay, so there's some turnover there. There's usually more turnover. There's usually more involvement in a manager going and finding the good small caps. I don't want the entire universe typically. I want specific companies, but I don't have time to hire a team of people to go visit small cap companies, so I use a good institutional no-load manager in the small cap space. It's kind of the same thing with the international world. People that have the ability to visit companies overseas, I don't want to buy all of Europe right now. I want more of the exporters, more of the people that benefit from quantitative easing, or more of the companies that benefit from quantitative easing, companies that benefit from the strong U.S. dollar and being able to export. So that's specific plays, right? I don't want a lot of European bank exposure right now. I don't know how much exposure they have to Greece. I don't know how, you know, how they're doing as interest rates are low overseas. How much exposure do they have from emerging markets taking on a bunch of current account deficit issues? I mean, there's a lot of things that go on geopolitical concerns, currency concerns, and things like that. So I'm not the biggest fan of pure indexing overseas. Where I am a big fan of indexing is large cap and mid cap in the United States. Most large cap and mid cap fund managers can't beat it. The areas that have been beatable, in my opinion, are dividend achiever stocks. So that's where we go out and pick individual stocks that have a history of increasing their dividends. Now, I'm not talking about high yielders. Most of the high-yield stocks right now, if interest rates go up, kind of scare me because they're trading at historically high P-E ratios, and people are only buying them because they think they're bond alternatives. As soon as there's a 10% correction, all those people that bought them as bond alternatives are going to freak out and jump off the cliff and sell. And that, that kind of scares me. I want companies that are growth companies, but they increase their dividend on average by about 10% a year. Not every year, but on average over a 10-year period. If you want to get your calls in the air and ask a money question or comment on business the economy, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Or you can email me, chat at chadburton.com. We'll take a quick break, and I'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com or chadburton.com. Rob Black and I will be together this Thursday, June 4th, 6.30 p.m. in Burlingame at the Doubletree. Talking about 10 pillars of retirement income planning, 10 key things you need to know. If you think you're within 10 years from retirement or you're in retirement, this event's right for you. It's not, it's not a 20, 30, early 40-year-old event. It's if you have assets, you think you're close to retirement and or in retirement, need a second opinion on what your strategy is. We everything from Social Security maximization, which accounts to draw from first, very key items. So stop by, have a beverage, some hors d'oeuvres, and uh, learn something. Guarantee it'll be worth your time. And get off 101. Get out of the traffic. And you can sign up, chadburton.com or robblack.com. Same links are there. Let me catch up on some listener emails here. And uh, this one is actually from a podcast listener from New Jersey named Brian. Uh, Hello, Chad. I've been a listener to both you and Rob Black for a few years now and find your show to be very informative. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Every so often, the topic of life insurance comes up on your program. You suggest that an individual should have about 10 times salary plus an additional $100,000 per child for college. Do you take into account the savings one may already have when determining their coverage needs? For example, if a 35-year-old earns 150k per year, it is suggested that they should have 1.5 million in coverage. If that person already has 500k in savings, do you factor that into the mathematics? Should they only need to take out 1 million instead of if if the 500,000 is already saved? Also, my wife and I are expecting a new child. Are there any financial steps we should take once the child arrives? Currency. Currently, we have an emergency fund in place. My wife and I both max out our 401ks and receive a company match. Our yearly savings is around $50,000 between the 401k, the company match, and overtime savings. We have all the necessary long and short-term disability coverage through our employers, and I plan on opening up a 529 plan when my child is born, funding it each month. Thanks, Brian. A lot of financial questions here. A lot of financial questions. Now, when I use that formula of... How much life insurance do I need? It's kind of geared towards the person that is trying to get coverage and, and, you know, get a basic idea without having to pay somebody 200 plus an hour to do a financial plan for them. But sometimes you actually need to get that financial plan done. And this might be the case for Brian, for example. Now, the average calculation that I use for people that, let's say they're in their 30s, maybe early 40s, married, got a kid or have a kid on the way, how much term life insurance do I need? Now, don't buy life insurance that's an investment until you're, you know, I mean, that's like 1% of the population. Most of that's a horrible idea for most people. Now, Brian's doing really, really well. 35-year-old making 150 grand, able to save 50 grand a year. This is not the average person. This is a person that starts doing the basics of financial planning, and now they're at the point where, Okay, it's time to get a little bit more direction. They've exhausted. They've, they've put as much as they can in the 401k. They've got a kid on the way. They've got assets that are already saved. Usually by 30, 35, you want minimum of at least one or two years of your salary already saved. This guy's way ahead of that point. So most of the time, I will say that you need 10 times your salary plus 100000 per child in term life insurance, usually a 20 or 30 year level term policy. And basically what would happen if you passed away, 
your spouse would inherit would get that money totally tax free. They'd be able to turn around and between now and age 65, pull enough income to survive and then put the kids through college and maybe save a little bit or have a little bit left over for retirement. Probably not fully funded for retirement. They'd probably need to go back to work, which most people would, or a lot of times most people get remarried. That's why you got to do some estate planning, make sure some of that money is set aside for the kids and not locked up in some you know bad second marriage, for example. So, Brian, the real way to do this, when you actually go through a comprehensive financial plan with a certified financial planner, you get more detailed when it comes to the numbers. You get more detailed. And it becomes, what is the present value of your income? What is the present value of your income between now and age 65? So if you run a financial plan and you're just on track, that based on your current income, you're on track to be able to save for college, save for your retirement, and put food on the table and enjoy life, well, it becomes a present value calculation of your income. But you also have to adjust it for taxes because your income is fully taxable. When you inherit or when you get life insurance, that's fully tax-free. However, the earnings on that money, when it's invested, is taxable. So a detailed financial plan that's very cash flow oriented will determine the right amount of life insurance for you, especially if you already have 500000 saved up. So yes, it does come into play, but it's not a simple math of $1 million minus the 500 that you have saved up. Because everybody is different. Everybody has different expenses. You might need more life insurance because you want to lock some of the money up away in a trust for your kids in case your spouse is remarried after you pass away. That's something that should be on the table as far as a discussion. You also have to say, okay, do I want to fully fund my spouse's retirement when I, if I pass away in my 30s or 40s? Or do I just want to leave enough to make sure that they get through to age 65? And uh, in terms of the 529 plan, that would be the next best thing in this, this scenario. This couple should be looking at putting enough money in their 401ks to get the match. It looks like they're still eligible for a Roth IRA. They should do that. And if they still have money left over, open a 529 plan. You can look at savingforcollege.com to check out 529 plans. For example, the California direct sold no-load TIA-CREF plan is a good plan. Utah's plan is a good plan. That's through Vanguard. And Alaska has a good plan through T. Rowe Price. There's a lot of pretty good no-load plans out there. You don't need to buy these things through a financial advisor. It's, it's, it's pretty much silly because a financial advisor can't really – there's only one investment change that you can make for, per year. So usually you want the age-based 529 plans, which you you know pick an aggressive model when they're young and the, the plan automatically adjusted as they get closer and closer to age 18. By the time they're 18, it's mostly in cash. So 529 plans are great for kids that are under, you know, 12 years old in terms of a way to save tax-free for education. So you need a more detailed plan. You're kind of at that point, Brian, where you've got that half a million saved up and you've got all these financial questions that are out there and you're wondering if you're doing the right thing. You're past the rules of thumb. You need a detailed financial plan. Uh, here's another one. We'll probably have to kind of go into the next break on this one because this is from Thomas. And this is a, he talks about a name, uh, Harry Dent Jr. He says, was wondering what your guys' thoughts were on this guy. This is an email that he CC'd both Rob Black and myself regarding Harry Dent Jr. Was wondering what you guys' thoughts were on this guy. 
If you've heard of him or read his book and what you thought of his recent take on China and his prediction of them imploding with the real estate and the effect it would have worldwide, the collapse of our dollar. He also speaks of leggers and determining market situations, to name a few. Love your show. Okay, Harry Dent Jr., Harry S. Dent Jr. Now, there's a guy, there's a guy that writes it. AvaResearch.com, that's AvaResearch.com, that uh, this guy's obviously a Harry Dent Jr. hater because he's got this whole page on his website dedicated to just destroying Harry Dent Jr. And most of which I do agree with. Harry Dent Jr. is a guy that back um, in the early 90s talked about demographics and his idea of using demographics to predict what the stock market was going to do. And his basic idea back then was, oh my gosh, look, once we get to the late 90s, um, you know, or you know, basically kind of prior to 2010, right around 2006 or so, he forecasted the big rise in the Dow Jones Industrial Average and then a big kind of in a basic level, and it's not perfect the way that I'm talking about it right now, but a big kind of big correction, a big crash, because all the baby boomers would retire and pull their money out of the stock market. All the baby boomers retired and pulled their money out of the stock market. And then he kind of got popular and then sold himself to mutual funds and all sorts of charts were out from Harry Dent, I remember back then. And a lot of it was used to get people to put money into mutual funds, which he used to really, really like, because there was this great boom ahead. He forecasted Dow 8,500 by 2006 to 2010 at some point. And that prediction kind of turned out to be right, but since then it's, it's not. He's not really been right. Dent not only missed the boom, according to this website, he also missed the collapse. While he discussed the downturn in this and several books thereafter, he, he talked about the correction would occur only after the Dow had reached 40,000 and the NASDAQ 13,500. Uh, so this guy on the website, ABA Research, says, I think it's safe to say that an idiot can predict a correction if the Dow were to sort of 40,000. Furthermore, in the great boom ahead, Dent claims the downturn will occur in 2010 due to the retirement of the baby boomers. Well, we've pretty much had a bull market since 2009, right? Now, did he did this stupid prediction? I mean, when, when people do this type of massive prediction, big collapse, big booms, it's because they're typically trying to sell books or scare people, sell them on their money management, sell them on their books based on fear and greed. And even a broken clock is right once, right? That kind of deal. I'll talk a little bit more about it after the break. If you want to get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Or you can email me, chad at chadburton.com.
the show. I'm your host for the day, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Find out more about me, my company, at newfocusfinancial.com or chadburton.com. It's also where you can sign up for the event that's this Thursday, June 4th. Rob Black and I will be together in Burlingame, 6.30 p.m. at the Doubletree by Hilton. And 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning. Sign up while there's still room. You can sign up at robblack.com or chadburton.com. It goes to the same link. And I was going over an email from Thomas. He was asking me what I thought about Harry Denton Jr. And Harry Denton Jr., I remember saying, oh, this guy's got some cool points. He's talking about the great boom ahead because he had forecast Dow 8,500 by 2006 through 2010 because of demographics and baby boomers saving and plugging money into 401ks and IRAs. And then he talked about a big downturn occurring in 2010 because the baby boomers turned 65 and they would all retire at once. And then when you think about that, it's a little bit silly. And then you think about how the economy changed past 2007. Interest rates came way down to help stimulate the economy. A lot of baby boomers can't afford to retire. It's 25% more expensive to retire now than it was in 2007 because CDs and bonds are paying so little. And to just look at the demographics, say, oh, everybody's going to retire and pull their money out of the stock market. Most baby boomers don't retire and pull their money out of the stock market. That's a little bit silly. What happens is prior to retirement, they start adjusting their asset allocation. They go from all stocks to a balanced portfolio, and then they slowly draw on that as they do retire. So most of what he did was, number one, in my opinion, to sell books. Number two, because he was paid by mutual fund companies, is what I understand, to uh, you know help them sell. I remember seeing charts from different mutual fund companies that used Harry Dent's demographic research to help sell funds. Oh, there's another book that he put out, The Great Jobs Ahead, in 1996. And uh, Great Jobs is kind of what was forecast. There was NAFTA signed in in 1992. So there's this book, Great Jobs Ahead, but really that, those great jobs went to China. The next book was The Roaring 2000s. And then basically this, this book that came out, the, the Next Great Bubble Boom, Again, another prediction of Dow to hit 40,000. And then there was the Great Depression ahead. And that was published in January of 2009 after the Great Recession. Basically, it almost ended, which was, you know, the, the stock market bottomed in 2009, March of 2009. So not a lot. You know, these people that make these wide predictions, you have to be very weary of people that sell you a couple of different things. One is either sell you on greed, get you too excited. Now is the time that you have to act. Now is the time that you have to do something. You'd steer clear. There's really no massively urgent financial decision out there that you need to make when it comes to your money. Even if you made the mistake of going all cash in 2007 and you thought you were right because then the stock market corrected, but all you've done, really, if you went to all cash in 2007, you've basically missed out on $30,000 a year of dividends that were reinvested for a couple of years, and you would have had way more money now than if you, even though you missed out on a dip in the stock market. So if you hear people that try to sell you on fear and greed, or they try to claim they have a strategy that would have gotten you out of the stock market 
at certain times and gotten you back in at certain times. Actually, in reality, it's a strategy that was created after it all happened, and it's a total crock. It's actually, in my opinion, based on SEC regulations that I've looked at, totally illegal to actually sell based on that. Steer clear. Say, show me the real, the real proof that you can do that, because most of the people that are saying they can get you in and out, they're either selling software, they're selling courses, they're selling books, and it's all garbage. It's not real life. I've been doing this for 23 years, and the people that I know are wealthy are because they saved systematically, they created a business, and of course they've inherited it. I've never met massively wealthy market timers. I really haven't. You don't hear them calling in on this show, that's for sure. If you want to get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. By the way, this Thursday, June 4th, some of the things that uh, I'm going to go over, the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, I'll go over a few right now for you. And these are really things that you need to know about. a very educational event. If you've been listening to Rob Black and myself for years, you know that those events that we do are a lot of good information. First one we talk about is really knowing your expenses, including health care costs, gifts to your kids and grandkids, travel, hobbies, charitable donations, types of insurance that people need in retirement and types that they don't need. Second one is maximizing Social Security. Are you aware that you can get, if you live to a ripe old age, that couples can get a lot of extra money out of Social Security by doing things correctly with restricted applications, file and suspend strategies that most Americans don't know about? Talk about knowing your tax situation and running detailed projections. I go over specific situations where you know, a person that retires with a bunch of money in an IRA that has not been taxed is very different from a person that retires with some after-tax money, some Roth money, and some 401k money. Very different tax situations you have to know. Maximizing your marginal tax bracket and fighting what's called the IRA tax trap that you don't know about. Planning for your surviving spouse. Tax-efficient investing how to rebalance and take dividends out of your portfolio, how to protect against longevity, and how to do a detailed cash flow projection. How long will your money last? Going to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Take a break. We'll be back. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.